following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Thanks, Ken, for that reading, and thank you, Dell, for leading us in our congregational prayer today. So I mentioned at the beginning of our service that we're talking about awe today. Awe is one of our five foundational values at Artisan Church. As most of you know, those values are awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice. And during this particular series, we're thinking about community because that's a really hard one to kind of grasp and understand and practice and feel when we can't be together with each other in person. And we're thinking specifically about how it connects to the other four values. And so last week we talked about community plus beauty. And the week before that, we talked about community plus justice. And next week, we're going to talk about community plus roots. You can maybe peek at my notes on the back blackboard behind me. Um, today, we're talking about community plus awe. And awe is one of those things that has shaped our life together as a church for nearly 16 years now. Um, and it means, like all the values do, uh, lots of things to us. Here are some of the important aspects of this value for us. One is that, that God is transcendent, which means that God completely surpasses our understanding. That even as we understand God to be very close to us, and you might think of the language you've heard about asking Jesus into your heart or something like that, that God cannot be contained even by a vast and ever-expanding universe. Um, and therefore, another aspect of awe that's important to us is that we are filled with wonder, that we embrace the mystery of it all. And the value of awe is one of the main reasons why we're so fond of questions here at Artisan, um, much more fond of questions than we are of answers. Uh, to, to the frustration of some people, I'm sure, myself included sometimes. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's that foundational value of awe that, that invites us to lean into the mystery and to be filled with a sense of holy wonder. And you begin to get a sense of some of this when you hear a passage of scripture, like the one that Ken read a couple minutes ago, where the people are standing at a great distance from a shaking mountain saying, do not even let God speak to us or we will die. You know, by the way, um, Ken mentioned the context there uh, of Moses just re receiving the Ten Commandments. And I think the story leading up to that point is really pretty fascinating. And uh, if you find time to read uh, Exodus chapter 19 and 20 on your own, I would encourage you to look for how many differences there are between what God tells Moses to tell the people and what Moses actually tells the people. <laughs> it's different. And um, you might ask yourself, why did he add that part and take that other part out or whatever? And then that might uh, encourage you always to remember um, that there's going to be some difference whenever any religious leader, myself very much included, tries to convey, convey God's words to you. Keep in mind that there's going to be that layer of translation or interpretation or uh, 
um, humanity. But so anyway, the people are so in awe of God that they're actually afraid of God. And that is certainly an aspect of awe. That's language that appears in the Bible a lot. And it's something that we could spend some time thinking about and talking about. And does it actually mean fear, like be afraid of, or is it more about respect or all those different things? Um, I don't know about you, but I just can't go there today. <laughs> um, the world is is scary enough. Um, and I think I need a, a kinder, gentler version of holy awe today. And so I want to tell you a story of something that happened to me about a week ago. And then I'm going to ask you to share some stories as well. And so today I'm actually going to, uh, we're going to allow you to unmute yourself long enough to share a story with the rest of the, of the congregation here. And so be thinking about a story that, that maybe it's the one you thought of at the beginning of our service. Uh, but let me tell you my story first. This happened, like I said, just about a week ago. I was working here at the Artisan Building on a Saturday. And uh, Anna Voss was uh, using the Artisan Kitchen to teach her pierogi making class uh, for the Rochester Brainery. Some of you have taken that class. It's really good. Um, And I got some free pierogi to take home. But that's not what the story is about. It was awesome, but not in the way that I mean. (laughs) So... Uh, Anna and I chatted, you know, uh, with our masks on and at appropriate uh, distance, of course. And then I left to go home. And it was just about the time the sun was starting to set. And as I walked out across that street there toward my house, I looked across South Clinton Avenue. And there's this uh, Pinnacle Hill right there. And the trees had leaves. The leaves were all turned yellow. And the time of the afternoon that it was, was so perfect because the sunset was not quite happening yet, but the sun was sitting very low, close to the horizon. Um, And so this horizontal afternoon light was just completely illuminating that whole bank of yellow leaves in these trees. And it was just stunningly beautiful. I mean, I sat there and went, wow. And I yelled back into the building, Anna, you have to come out here and see this. Her class was done. So she indulged me and she came outside and she was like, wow, that's amazing. And we were standing there together looking at this bank of trees in the evening light and I was like, I feel like the, the double rainbow all the way across the sky guy. Do you guys remember the double rainbow guy? I was going to show you the YouTube video in the service, but then I decided not to. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It's almost 11 years ago now, but he's like so in awe of this beautiful natural scene. He's, he's literally saying, oh my God, oh my God, over and over again. And I don't know if he's a religious person and if that was a prayer or if that was just an explanation, an exclamation. But it certainly could have been a prayer for me looking at those trees last weekend. And I was just frozen in place. Um, and, and, and the light at that hour is so short that I could actually just stand there until it started to fade. And then I walked home with my mind kind of swimming. So I had this experience of awe. I, I don't think it would be 
pushing the boundaries of our language to say that that was sort of a religious experience. But what made it really special in that moment was not just that I got to experience it, but that I got to experience it with a sibling in Christ, somebody who shares the same worldview as I do, and who I was able to invite into that experience and say, let's take this in together. Let's stand here with our jaws dropping together. And I thought it's such a perfect example of experiencing awe in community. What a great moment to have these two foundational values of artisan colliding with each other, embracing each other, um, right there on the, on the premises of the artisan church building. It was really quite, a, quite an experience. So I know that many of you have had, if not all of you have had, um, experiences where um, you had this experience of holy wonder, uh, of a religious or spiritual or otherwise transcendent um, moment. And um, maybe you were alone with that, or maybe you were with somebody else, and maybe you were able to experience it in community, and maybe you you weren't. Um, so I want to invite you now, and we're going to allow you to unmute yourselves. Uh, so don't unmute yourself unless you're sharing a story, please. And then when you're done, you can go ahead and mute yourself again. But what is a time when you experience this holy, transcendent wonder? And uh, if you prefer to type it in the chat, you can. But uh, in this case, if you're willing and able, I'd love to, I'd love to hear it in your own voice. Um, and and you can you can connect this to the to a biblical idea if you want to, if it fits. But you don't have to. Um, don't feel any need to make a religious observation just now, uh, unless you have one already ready to go. So, who wants to share first? The first thing that I thought of when you were talking about this was the first time I heard my son's heartbeat mm. uh, in an ultrasound. I wasn't, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I was not expecting to hear anything. And mm. when I heard his, that, that heartbeat uh, coming into the room, um, and it suddenly became real to me mm. that I had helped create another life. Um, wow. I said it was love at first thump. <laughs> love at first thump. Thank you, Penny, for sharing that. What a great story. Um, I know it, it inspired a memory for me. I wonder if it did for others as well. I could share a story of life and death as well. Um, I'd like to share that when I was 16, my football coach told me my father had died. Mm. And they took me home, and I consoled my mother and my brother on the couch for a minute. And then mom said, somebody's got to tell the girls, my four older sisters. So I grabbed the address book back in the day when people had those and went up to the landline back in the day when people had those in my parents' bedroom and called my four older sisters to tell them that dad had died. And um, I used the same words my coach had used with me, that I have some very bad news. It's kind of a preamble. And I called all their best friends, just called a dozen people. And as I completed my calls, I realized that my hand was resting on my father's knee and he was still in the bed. 
and I hadn't noticed that previously. Um, mm. And the sheets have been pulled down, and I closed his eyes, and then did what came natural at that moment was to kneel at the side of the bed and start to pray. I felt this incredible divine presence wrapping me. Um, God was there in a very personal and vibrant way. And then at that moment that I'm praying by my father's deathbed, um, in walks my coach into the room. It did the exact perfect thing. He knelt down next to me and put his arm around me and also just prayed in silence. And mm. that moment lasted for probably 10 or 15 minutes. And it was an experience of awe of the presence of God at the time of, of death. And I'm going to just quickly say that's juxtaposed with the experience of my first child being born, honor. And my wife's a midwife, and we had planned a midwife to come to the house to deliver a home birth, but she didn't make it. It was just Catherine and I in front of a roaring fire in our bedroom, and I got to catch my son, and fortunately everything went up okay, um, except that when I put the bulb syringe in his nose, I squeezed it and chopped the boogers up. And <laughs> Uh, he lived, he's 28, and uh, but an, and again, an incredible moment of just God's divine presence in awe at, at this new life. So thank you for listening. Wow. That's going to be a tough service to make it through, I can already tell. Powerful stories of awe and community, both. Thank I you, Michael. Story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will never, ever forget... Um, I was in Australia working as a teaching assistant for a college program, and um, a lot of the program we spent out in nature. So we were at a national park at the very southern tip of Australia, right on the coast. No lights at all, like no light pollution. Hmm. Um, There's no moon. So you could see all the stars, and we were on the beach, and the tide was really low. So you had to walk out quite a ways to get to the water, or to get to the waves, and so the sand was all wet Hmm. um, with very shallow water, and there was phosphorescence in the water that week. And so I just remember standing there being in awe because you had the stars stretching overhead, and they were reflected in the shallow water, on the sand, and so there were stars overhead, there were stars in the ground, <laughs> and then there were stars in the water with the phosphorescence, and it was just a magical experience. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Jolene. I'll read one out from the comments here, and then we, um, we can hear a couple more maybe, but... Um, Doug Barlett said, I, uh, see, seeing the Hubble telescope images in the early years. Yeah, wow. And then Melody says this, I think we can experience community in these moments, even when we are alone. I witnessed an amazing sunrise in New Zealand when I was traveling alone and felt both awe at the beauty and sadness that I was experiencing that moment by myself. But then I realized that I'm connected to the community of everyone who has experienced this place before. Everyone who has experienced sunrises across time and place. There is a community even amidst solitude. Wow, what a lovely story and a powerful sentiment. Hello, everyone. Um, So for me, growing up in a charismatic background 
And as a worship leader, music has always been that moment of awe. And um, never really quite understood when we would say, Lord, show me your glory. And I'm like, you know, you get Moses' idea in your mind. Someone told me, um, I heard later on, that the glory was really just God's love and affection Hmm. being present. And so I have many shared experiences of that. But recently, especially since we've left that movement and I've wrestled with it, where I truly experienced that, I joined... um, the Rochester Oratory Society. And um, we gave a concert um, with the music of Jenkins um, at Hochstein. And if you've ever been in there, the big round theater, it's just so amazing. And it was all about different faiths, different religions, and the common need and communication for peace. And I remember being there a couple years back, singing with all these different voices um, about peace and just having this holy, (laughs) again, from all the different religions, everything else, just this coming together and this feeling of singing, all these voices and this just reverence just fall in the place. Hmm. And outside of my own traditional charismatic background, and I think... In the past few years, that's where I've really experienced a sense of awe is being in that choir um, singing, whether it's old church masses or something from a different cultural background. And that's been truly amazing to still Hmm. feel an affection outside of something I thought that's the only place I could experience it. So that's been pretty awesome. Hmm. Thank you, Crystal. Thanks for sharing that great story. Love it. The um, uh, if you're if that story inspires you, I encourage you. Whenever whenever COVID is in our rearview mirror and we can do it again, if you've never been over to Christ Church Episcopal Church um, downtown on a Sunday night for their Compline service, it's one of the most breathtaking and awe-filled experiences um, you can have, and it's it's beautiful choral music in a dark room. <laughs> So uh, I can share something. I mean, <laughs> everyone's stories is make, are, are making me think of, of things where I've experienced awe. Uh, but um, one thing that's really powerful for me is when I am in a place that has a lot of history to it um, and that moment of recognizing that someone else centuries ago has been here. And when we, uh, two specific times, there's one on our honeymoon at a church um, the, the 15th century. I mean, we went to something that was super old. And seeing how worn down the steps of the monastery were, where they would go up to ring the bell for prayers every day, and realizing that I was standing in a place where there had been um, centuries of people had walked um, also. And the other one was um, I actually actually had the opportunity to, to climb and hike up Mount Ararat. Um, I'm sorry. Am I seeing you right now? Mount Sinai. <laughs> no, Mount Sinai in Egypt. And um, again, there were there were a couple monasteries on the way, and there were steps that were centuries upon centuries old, and, and knowing all these people of God that have walked them before and 
even Moses and the people of Israel had walked there, um, at least, you know, according to tradition. And um, and not just, you know, the, the Christian nuns, but people of all faiths. I mean, they the, the guide for us was most likely Muslim, and just seeing how it was a point of connection and a point of history, and that it was a place where God had been and was, and that was Thank you, Susan. What a great story. Um, I think I saw Hannah unmute herself earlier, but maybe this comment in the chat was the reason for that. She said, Jolene and I just had a community awe moment. We've both been on the same beach in Australia, Wilson's prom, and had the same awe experience. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Community and awe over space and time. My goodness totally perfectly illustrating what Melody had said earlier. I love it so much. Um, we're trying to keep these services under 45 minutes. We're, uh, I think, at 42 minutes right now. Um, so as much as I would love to hear so many more stories, uh, I, I do want to try to bring this in for a landing. And the way that I'll do that is with a few more words from Exodus chapter 20. Um, so the people had perceived God's presence as thunder and lightning and a smoking mountain in the verses that we've already heard. And I want to read just a few more verses from that passage, and I think it might give us another angle uh, from which to uh, look at God. So this is Exodus twenty, twenty-one through 25. It says, Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, You have seen for yourselves that I spoke with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver alongside me, nor shall you make for yourself gods of gold. You need make for me only an altar of earth. And sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your offerings of well-being, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. But if you make for me an altar of stone, do not build it of hewn stones. For if you use a chisel upon it, you profane it. Um, There's all this sacrifice stuff and maybe that seems just too weird and bizarre for us but i want to catch i want you to catch this one simple thing which is that these israelites who were terrified and experiencing this awe of god as as um big and huge and actually dangerous were told by that god all you need to make for me is an altar of earth just make a pile of dirt <laughs> no gold no silver None of that stuff. Don't even carve the stones if you insist on making steps. I was struck by that this week, that even as we worship a God who fills us with awe, we can experience that God in the very simple elements of the world, of just dirt. God is in the dirt. And so you know this is my transition to communion, right? Because I've been harping on this lately, how the... the, sacramental beauty of um, Holy Communion, this grace that God offers us comes to us in the form of these very simple things, bread and table wine, like the most basic meal of the first century and actually the current century for many people too. 
And so if you have something like bread or something and something like wine, I'd encourage you to take it now. Um, take your food, take the bread, and remember Christ's body, which was broken for you. Once again, I'm using these little self-serve communion things that someday we'll get to use together in person. And you can eat that bread and remember the sacrifice of Christ. And then I'm going to peel the cap off of this little cup of juice. I don't know what you have at your house, whether it's juice or something else, but Jesus was with his disciples and gave them this simple cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. So whatever you're drinking, may it be in remembrance of the Savior. Simple gifts from a God who asked nothing more than an altar of earth from the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before we have our last song and uh, our announcements, let me just uh, give you a quick heads up about what we're, what we're going to try to do here at Artisan. Um, I was really disappointed to have to make the announcement to you this week that we were pressing pause on our plans for a partial phased reopening. Uh, the timing was just so bad where it took us a while to get kind of ramped up to the point where we could do it. And then just as we were doing that, you could almost plot the same curve um, of positive infection rates in our community. And it just it's the wrong time to do it. And it was really sad to have to make that announcement, but I'm really confident in the people who helped us make that decision and that it was the right one. Um, that being said, I know that so many of you were really eager to have some kind of in-person interaction. And um, so we are going to be doing a small group version of in-person interactions at Artisan. And we're going to start that this week. We're going to do it on Wednesday and Thursday night at 7 p.m. And these are going to be conversation and community groups. Very simple low pressure small group experiences there's no curriculum there's no linear week to week to week thing you come in and out as you please and it's simply just two things conversation and connection so we're going to have a just a get together in the room talk to each other how you doing that's the conversation part and then something to do with the spiritual life uh, without having to do too much heavy lifting that's the connection part and Pastor Jesse's going to lead ones, the, the ones on Wednesday at 7 using um, creative prayers uh, as the connection point. And that's something that she's done and had great success with with our young people. And then on Thursdays, uh, I'm going to be doing one uh, at the same time, 7 p.m., where the connection point is simple spiritual practices that anybody can try. And um, we'll try them together. We'll encourage you to try them during the week. There's not much to it, but um, we're going to uh, get together and, and, and have that experience. Now, these are capped at 10 people, including the leader. So that's nine of you that can come to each of these each week. And you need to sign up online to do it. Would somebody who knows how to do it drop the link in the chat to the um, conversation and connection page, uh, both on Zoom and on Facebook? And then, you, so if you if you don't have your current info in our church database, there's a link on that page that you'll see that you need to fill out. You have to sign up using that. Uh, it's not hard. It's 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 way less complicated than I just made it sound. But we do need you to sign up so that we know the right number of people. Thank you, Scott. I see that the link just went into the into the chat. 
So I hope that I'll get to see you on Thursday. Jesse hopes that she'll get to see you on Wednesday. We are going to offer a Zoom version of this as soon as we can kind of get our bearings and get our heads above water. And uh, also, if we find that the, the demand is greater than we can meet with two nights, we'll add a third night. So... Um, we we want to do this and we're going to all the same safety precautions are in place and it's just a smaller gathering we'll have a maximum of 10 people in the church sanctuary which is a big huge room with lots of lots of air and ventilation so we think it's quite, um relatively a very safe activity so uh, i hope that you'll be able to make it to one of those and if you have any questions don't hesitate to reach out for more information visit us at artisanchurch.com 